Drown in grief, but I walk with the keys to hell on that day. The firstborn of the slain, man Jesus Christ laid death in his grave. Last week, I uh, gave an emergency sermon on, sermon on presenting yourself as a living sacrifice, Romans 12, 1. Well, this is what that looks like. Um, Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Uh, this is that is what that what that looks like. They'd strip you naked. My wife wouldn't let me do that part, but they'd strip you naked. They'd they'd flog you. Then they'd strap one of these babies on your back, march you through town, um, uh, through a crowd, out to some hill. They'd nail you to the wood. Then they'd hoist the wood up on a timber or a tree, stand back and watch you die. That's how it looked. Look at me, I'm, I'm carrying a pretty big cross. <laughs> kind of impressive, isn't it? Got a little cross envy, don't you there, Dave? <laughs> Just look at how humble I am. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray that you would help us to preach your word. Lord Jesus, would you um, invade our hearts and help us to see who you really are and then Lord, seeing you, maybe even seeing ourselves. Help us to preach, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 11, uh, this is uh, where we left off two weeks ago in our last uh, Jesus story sermon um, with, with, with uh, this section. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like a ch children sitting in, in the marketplace and calling to their playmates, we played the flute for you, we piped for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, and yet wisdom is justified by her deeds, justified by her children. Well, we're supposed to weep with John the Baptist and dance with Jesus the Piper. I mean, the, the weeping kind of makes some sense. But the dancing? I mean, how are you supposed to dance with one of these babies strapped to your back? Well, last time we, we read that scripture, and then you remember that I told you a story um, written by Robin Gunn, who talks about watching a Down syndrome girl dancing in the autumn leaves, and then how she began to weep, and she, she wrote this, I weep because I will never know the severe mercy that frees such a child and bids her come dance in the autumn leaves. I will never know. And we said, well, don't be so sure, Robin Gunn, because maybe there are still some severe mercies around that could free your inner child and bid your child to come dance in the autumn leaves. Next, next verse. Wisdom is justified by her children, her 
for dancing children, I would suppose. Then he, that's wisdom incarnate, Jesus, then, then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. They would have wept and, and then danced. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. What more tolerable for Sodom than for Capernaum? And Capernaum, you remember, was like Jesus' adopted hometown. It's where he lived with Peter and his, his, his mother. More tolerable, more tolerable for Sodom than for his neighbors. Does Jesus love his neighbors? Imagine the burden that Jesus must have been carrying all the time. Imagine how heavy and hard it was for Jesus to speak these words. Imagine how hard was Christ's labor and how heavy his burden. I'm telling you, if there's one thing that I've learned from carrying this big old cross is that number one, it's not easy. <laughs> and number two, it's a heavy burden. Next verse. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you know, like guys who've been to seminary, and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. It's a gracious will. All things, now that would include Capernaum and Sodom, right? All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So knowledge of God is not the result of your choice to labor. Knowledge of God is the result of Jesus' choice to reveal his Father. Well, I wonder to whom Jesus chooses to reveal his father next verse come to me all who are who labor and are heavy laden come to me all who labor and are heavy laden do you have the the yeah that's there it's right there um, and, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Does Jesus ever confuse you? Because, dang, he like, he confuses me. I'm just going to take this thing off for now. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. What does that mean? You know, some people will say, I'm sorry. I can't wrestle the word. I, I'm not going to wrestle the word with you because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Some people say, I'm sorry, I'm not leaving my possessions in Egypt and walking out into the wilderness because, well, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. 
I'm sorry, I'm not going to pick up my cross and follow you, Jesus, because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Hang on there, Santino. I'm just saying, some people say, I won't do anything heavy, I won't do anything hard, because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I want that yoke, and I'm not yoking. <laughs> I want that yoke, the, the easy, the easy yoke. Well, what's a yoke? In Jesus' day, a yoke looked like this. It was a wooden beam usually placed over the back of two oxen, which was then attached to a burden, like, like a plow. In this way, the oxen's labor would be fruitful. They'd plow the hard ground, the hard ground, so it could receive seed and produce a bountiful harvest. The yoke was attached to the oxen's neck with a collar. If the collar fit well, it was said that the yoke was easy. Here's a video of what I just described. Now, can you think of anywhere in Jesus' life where, where you saw something like that? How about this? See it? The yoke and the burden. You know, that's how God, the great farmer, plowed the hard soil of this earth and the hard soil of your heart in order that it could receive the implanted seed and bear the harvest of this earth, which is men and women in the very image of God. How could his yoke be anything other than a cross? What else does he carry that he commands us to carry? He says in Luke 9.23, if any would follow me, let him take up his cross daily, every day. How could his yoke be anything other than a cross? And yet I haven't read one commentary that says his yoke is a cross. And I suppose that's for a very obvious reason, and that is that crosses do not appear to be easy. And that burden does not appear to be light. Well, a yoke is labor. A, a yoke is labor, yet his yoke gives you rest. A yoke is bondage, and yet his yoke sets people free. Does scripture claim that his cross gives you rest and sets you free? I mean, it seems weird to us, but scripture does claim that, right? I mean, how could his yoke be anything other than a cross? And yet, how could a cross be easy? How could that burden be light? Cheer up, Brian. You know what they say? Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, that grumble. Give a whistle. 
And this will help things turn out for the best. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you forgot. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps. Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the right side of life. <laughs> so how could his cross be easy and light? How about denial? <laughs> I mean, that's what we often teach, right? That's what the world thinks our happy, clappy Christianity is, is all about. But we know that Jesus sang on the cross, he sang Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But that was anything but denial. It was embracing the pain and the shame of an entire goddamned world. just saying Jesus was not into denial. He chose to bear the sin and the sorrow of the whole world. But you do not bear the sin and the sorrow of the whole world, do you? And yet you have sinned. And you have been sinned against. And you are commanded by God to forgive. And you do no sorrow, don't you? Jesus said, pick up your cross. Come to me, learn from me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. How could his cross be easy and light? I think that's a question that, that you will need to ponder the rest of your life. So, so we're just going to scratch the surface right now. But how could his cross be easy and his burden light? Well, maybe, maybe because he bears it in love. You know, Jesus knew something that none of us truly know. And yet all of us think we know. And that's love. God is love. But Jesus just said, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. So maybe we're, we're, we're beginning to know love, but it's not because we take the knowledge of love, it's because Jesus gives us knowledge of love from his tree, saying this is my body broken, this is my blood shed, and John wrote, in this is love. So maybe we're just beginning to see love. 
Well, I'm just saying that when you do things in love, even our broken and deluded versions of love, when you do things in love, it makes the yoke easy and the burden light. You know, if someone were to ask me, Peter, in all of this world, what is your most binding yoke and your heaviest burden? Upon reflection, I'd have to say, it's that woman right back there in the orange, Susan. Um, it's her, Susan, and these four young adults named Jonathan, Elizabeth, Rebecca, and Coleman. I mean, honestly, for 37 years, that woman has been right next to me, making demands upon me constantly, and for over 31, 31 years, I have not cashed, seriously, I have not cashed one paycheck. They all go directly to her, and then she distributes them to the fruit of my labor, those four young people, and to herself, and if there's anything left over, she might hand me a little change and say, here's some money for lunch. <laughs> I mean, that is quite a yoke when you think about it. That's quite a, a, a burden. But if you were to ask me, is it hard, Peter? Is it heavy, Peter? Well, I'd have to say, well, well, maybe sometimes when I think of it as an obligation or fulfilling some law, but most of the time, no. In fact, my greatest joy in this world is being yoked to that woman. And I think I'd even gladly die, we'd gladly die for our kids as if they were a light burden. And if you say, wow, that's really impressive of you. Wow, you are a very responsible husband and father. I'd have to say, I'm sorry, but maybe you, you don't understand. The yoke is easy. Believe me, it fits. Body, soul, and spirit. I love being yoked to her. The yoke is easy and the burden is light. You see, I didn't make myself love my wife and my kids. No one showed up at Heritage High School and said, you, you, you will be, I, I didn't make myself love my wife and my kids. It's more like love made me love my wife and my kids. It was more like the piper was playing and I heard the music and I, and I liked the music and I just started to dance. If you can't hear the music, well, then you won't dance. And you won't understand people that happen to dance. Well, maybe bearing a cross is like a movement in a great dance. And maybe Jesus heard music that we just don't hear. You know, a dance is bondage, like a yoke. And a dance is labor, like bearing a heavy burden. But the yoke is easy and the burden is light. I, I mean, think about it. Dance is bondage. You're bound by the, the music, and yet it feels like, like freedom. If you consciously force yourself to perform the steps in a dance, you're really not dancing, and it, and it feels like bondage. But if you lose yourself, in the rhythm of the dance, you're, you're bound to dance, and that bondage feels like freedom. A dance is bondage that is freedom. And a dance is labor. I mean, you, you do burn calories. 
A, a dance is labor that feels like rest. You know, have you been to, anybody been to aerobics class? Does that feel like rest? Okay, there's music. Aerobics, I have found, feels like labor. And that's because myself makes myself dance in order to lose weight. But you see, if you lose yourself in dance because you love the music, you burn just as many calories and it feels like rest. Susan and I dated for five and a half years and during that time we went to a lot of dances. I remember dancing so hard and so long during that time that my shirt would just be soaked with sweat. And I know that my pulse was way, way, way over the aerobic zone. I'd be moving to the beat and it was sock up, lifting her in the air, you know, and not once did I think, what a difficult yoke. What a heavy burden. No, I'd look at Susan and this is what I'd think, maybe not in this, these words, but this is what I would think. I just wanna plow her field. I want to plant some seed. I want to harvest some fruit. I just want to yoke myself to her for life and bear all of her burdens. You know, maybe Jesus looks at us, his bride, and thinks, I just want to plow her fields. I just want to plant my seed. I just want to harvest some fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, men and women in my own image. I just want to covenant myself to her. I want to yoke myself to her and bear all of her burdens. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love bears all things. Why? Because love wants to. Nothing constrains love. God is love. And God is a great dance. Three persons, one substance. And the substance is love. Nothing constrains love. But love constrains, upholds, creates, and animates all things. God is love. And Jesus is his word the word of love. Jesus is the piper calling us to come dance. To surrender to the dance is to be created in his image. To refuse the dance is to uncreate yourself. To create a false self. Well, I'm just saying, maybe Jesus looks at you just as he looked at, as I looked at my future bride in 1978 at Heritage High School while the band played Love Me Tender, Love Me True, Never Let Me Go. I mean, maybe, maybe Jesus looks at you like that and thinks, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you look at Jesus and think about yourself. You think, oh crap, I can't dance like he dances. Oh my God, he wants me, he wants me to dance. What a horrible yoke, what a, what a terrible burden. And I wish they would turn down that music. I wish someone would turn down that music. I can't concentrate and I really need to concentrate because I, I, I'm, I'm trying to dance. Damn it. Once humanity took the fruit from the tree, Adam and Eve knew about the good but they could no longer know the good. For when the good called to them in the cool of the day, inviting them to come dance, they were hiding in fig leaves and trees. 
They knew about the music, but they could no longer hear the music, for they had become self-conscious. You, you know about the music. They know about the music. Law describes music, describes the music. It describes the dance steps. Law describes the music, but you see, they could no longer hear the music. Love is the music. The Hebrews used to refer to the law as a yoke, the yoke of Torah. It proved to be an impossible burden to bear, the knowledge of good and evil. Maybe love makes the yoke easy and the burden light. And maybe love is like music that's constantly playing, upholding all things. We know about the music but can't hear the music because we're self-conscious. We're proud. God is love. And his word is the music. But you can't dance if you can't hear the music. So Jesus said, my, my yoke is easy, it fits. My burden is light. Take my yoke upon you. Take up a cross and follow me daily. Well, when Jesus said that, no one knew that he was gonna be crucified on the tree and then rise from the dead, right? When Jesus said that, no one knew that God was like a dance, three persons in one substance called love. When Jesus said that, no one knew that he was the bridegroom and we are the bride and that he was calling us to come dance the great dance, to dance in the autumn leaves. But everyone knew what it meant to pick up a cross. And it did not mean that you were going on the church mission trip. It did not mean that you had just purchased a very nice piece of jewelry. It did not mean that you were the best Christian at, ch at church. It, it, it meant that you were the worst citizen in town. It meant that you were condemned. And that day, you would die. So last weekend, th this week, went for a long walk last, last weekend thinking about this. Um, what would it mean for me being a Jew in the Roman Empire in 38, 30 AD, what would it have meant for, for me to pick up a cross? First and foremost, I, I would think to myself, I've been judged. And not just by the emperor, but by God. For cursed is the man that hangs on the tree. Cursed is the man that does not live by everything written in the law. I'd, I'd been judged. I would think I've been judged and condemned. And, and, and so all my attempts at justifying myself have utterly failed and will utterly fail. And so there's no point in trying to justify myself now. Myself is dead. Samuel Johnson once said, the prospect of being hanged concentrates a man's mind wonderfully. <laughs> if I picked up a cross, my mind would be concentrated. If I picked up a cross, I would realize that all my deeds in the past had added up to nothing. 
I would have to release them all. Ephemi is the word release. It's also translated forgive. I would have to release all my supposed merit. I would have to release all my supposed debt and all my supposed debtors. I would have to surrender all my judgments to the judgment that I had just received. My past would add up to nothing. And did you know that your past really is nothing? It's a mental construct that you have created in your own mind that probably has very little bearing, a very little connection with what actually happened. Well, you see, picking up a cross in that day wasn't impressive. It did not mean that you were worthy of life. In fact, it meant just the opposite. It meant that you were totally unworthy of life. Now, now listen to what Jesus said again. Unless a man pick up a cross and follow me, he is unworthy of me. What a, what a strange thing to say. Think that one through logically, and it, it must mean something like this. You're only worthy of me once you admit you're entirely unworthy of me. And I am life. So anyway, if, if, I, if I picked up a cross, I would be sacrificing my past, right? All my pride, all my accomplishments, all my failures, all my shame, unforgiveness, bitterness, all my attempts at justifying myself. I would sacrifice my past and I would be sacrificing my future, sacrifice all my attempts to justify myself in the past and all my hope of justifying myself in the future because that's what our hopes are about if you really think about it, right? I would be sacrificing my hope of ever making something of myself. I give up all hope of saving me, redeeming me, and creating me, or saving you. That's what pastors worry about. Saving you, redeeming you, creating you. I give up all my hopes, that is all my drivenness, all my anxiety, all my fear. I give up my future, my, I give up my future. But you know, your future doesn't really exist. At least your future. I mean, your, the one you're, a that's a mental construct that you have created in your own mind. If I picked up my cross, I, I would be admitting that I had been very irresponsible in the past and would be entirely unable to respond in the future. That is, I had failed to love in the past and I would be unable to love in the future. I had failed to dance in the past and I could not promise to dance in the future. If I picked up my cross, I would have no past and no future, only an infinitely small burden called now, but now is not an illusion. Now is real. Now is the day of salvation, says scripture. Now is free. Now is the point where potentiality becomes actuality. Now is the point of creation. You know, according to philosophers, theologians, and physicists, now is the point that eternity touches time. Now is the point where logos invades chaos and chronos, where meaning invades empty time, temporality. Now is the place decisions are made. Decision is the awakening to the eternal, writes Kierkegaard. In other words, now is the place, the point, we hear the music. And now is the only place you can dance. 
You know, if I'm thinking about my dancing in the past, how I did and how I looked, and if I'm thinking about what dance moves I'm going to make in the future, I won't hear the music now and won't dance now. I'll be unable to respond thinking about me. That's why self-conscious people and proud people make very poor dancers. If you sang a dirge, they wouldn't weep. If you played the pipe, they wouldn't dance. They wouldn't be able to respond to the music for they think that they are responsible for the music. They cannot respond to the rhythms of love for they think they're responsible for love. <laughs> but little children, well, they'll weep at the drop of a hat. They'll start to dance at just the hint of a tune. The wise and the learned, in Jesus' words, can't catch the tune. But it is not kept from the little children because the tune, like, just catches them. In other words, little children are able to respond. They are response-able. Scribes and Pharisees, however, are unable to respond because of all, you know, their responsibility. Little children weep and dance, in other words. They weep and dance because they're not self-conscious, and they're not self-conscious because they don't have much self to be conscious of. And what is the self? Well, isn't the self, I mean, what most people think of as, as a self, isn't that constructed of one's successes and failures in the past and hopes for the future, which if so, would mean I am a mental construct in my own brain which does not actually exist. I'm an illusion of my own creation, a false self that cannot dance for it does not exist now the false self is not able to respond to love for that false self believes it is responsible for love and to dance that self must die Perhaps the greatest novelist that ever lived was the Russian Fyodor Dostoevsky. You know, for like over 100 years, people have wept with Dostoevsky and then started dancing. Yet it wasn't always that way. As a young man, Dostoevsky was a militant revolutionary determined to create the kingdom of love, if necessary, by force. Until one day he was forced to surrender to the, the king of love, the uh, Lord God who, who is love. He was captured by the czar, who's not the king of love, captured by the czar, and Khazar, uh, that's how you say it. it, looks like that. But anyway, Dostoevsky was condemned to death by the firing squad. He didn't know that the czar uh, often tortured his prisoners this way. He, he would march them into the courtyard, blindfold them, line up all the soldiers, do the countdown, give the command, uh, and, say, and say fire, but the soldiers' rifles were only filled with, with blanks. That happened to Dostoevsky. It felt like, like torture, and, and yet years later, D Dostoevsky claimed it saved his life and turned him into a novelist. Because he said, for on the day that he was condemned to die, something really amazing happened to him. Something utterly liberating. He says that as he marched to his death in the courtyard, he felt the sun beating down upon the back of his neck. He felt the sun as he had never felt it before. 
And he heard sounds coming through the trees uh, as he had never heard sound before. And when they had taken off the blindfold after it was over, he said, I, I saw people as I had never seen people before, as if he heard music he had never heard before, but music that had been playing all his life. But until he surrendered his life, he could not hear the music. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says it again. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life, psyche, same, same word. This is my mental construct of me, my, my psyche, my soul. For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his psyche for my sake and the gospel will find it for, 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 for my, who is he? He is love. And what's the gospel? Well, it's the proclamation of love. The music that creates and sustains all things. Well, I can't dance to the music if I can't hear the music. And I can't hear the music when I'm preoccupied with me. I'm ashamed of me because I'm proud of me. I'm worried for me because my hope is in me. I know I'm called to love and I've learned all about love, but the harder I try to love, the more I worry about me. So the harder I labor at love, the less I do love. When I labor at love under the yoke of the law, it's like my labor is cursed and myself is condemned. In pain you shall labor. By the sweat of your brow you shall eat your bread. You are dust and to dust you shall return, said God in the garden. Do you understand? Me, myself, is my own impossible yoke and unbearable burden. Don't you ever just get sick of yourself? And I'm joking when I ask this, but don't you ever want to kill yourself? The problem is you cannot kill yourself with yourself. That's just more self yoked to yourself in outer darkness. The unbearable burden that is yourself. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Listen one more time to our text. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your psyches, for my yoke fits. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you hear it? He's offering to help you die to yourself. It's yourself that keeps you from hearing the music. Like flesh that's grown over your ears or flesh that's grown over your heart and needs to be circumcised, cut away. 
It's yourself that keeps you from dancing. You know, dancing is losing yourself in the music. It's yourself that keeps you from loving. You know, loving is losing yourself in another. It's, it's yourself. Yourself is your own uneasy yoke and unbearable burden, and yourself can't help yourself, relieve yourself of yourself. You need Jesus. And where do you find Jesus? Bernie Manning writes, probably the moment in my own life when I was closest to the truth, who is Jesus Christ, was the experience of being a hopeless derelict in the gutter in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Paradoxically, such an experience of powerlessness does not make one sad. It is a great relief because it makes us rely not on our own strength, but on the limitless power of God. The realization that God is the main agent. He's the agent. It, it makes the yoke easy, the burden light, and the heart still. It, you see, it's at that moment when we realize that we've utterly failed at love. It's at that moment when we have to confess, I'm not responsible for love. I can't do, I can't make love. God is love. I'm not responsible for love. It's at that moment that we realize love is responsible for me. It's when we finally pick up our crosses that we meet the one who has been bearing the cross all along. It's there we meet the Logos, the word of love. There we meet love incarnate, the Lord of the dance. with him at the tree of law, we will forever dance with him at the tree of life. We die with him and rise with him now. The dance is now. We can know about him in the past. We can know about him in the future. But we can only know him now. Pray now. Worship now. Dance now, surrender now. You realize that Jesus was crucified on one very painful day. And yet he bore his cross every day. And so he danced every day. I mean, he wasn't stuck in the past. He wasn't stuck in the past and he wasn't worried about the future. He wasn't captive to shame or captive to fear. He had no false self to justify. He had no pride to defend. And so he lived each moment and loved each moment. He did only what he saw his father doing and his father is love. So Jesus' life was a dance and is a dance. Actually, Jesus is the life and he's calling you, come dance. And so he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. Gosh, isn't that all the children of Adam, all the sons of Adam and daughters of Eve who labor under the curse? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest 
for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So how could a cross be easy and light? Maybe it could be easy and light if it was carried in love, which means surrendering to love, which means responding to love, which means I'm not responsible for love. Isn't, isn't that the lie of the snake in the garden? Look at that tree over there, it describes love. You're, you better, you go, go over there, take some of that and make yourself in the, in the image of love. You're responsible for love, but I'm not responsible for love. Love is responsible for me. Love makes me dance. I'm not responsible for love, but able to respond to love when I've been set free from my old self. The cross is the severe mercy that frees me of myself and bids me to come dance in the autumn leaves. I couldn't stop thinking about something. I, I, think, I've, I've, I think I've shared it, I can't remember when I've shared it, but it was something that I witnessed, was a part of several years ago, praying with a woman that wanted to die. She was horribly ashamed of her past and the things that she had done in her past and she's despaired of her future. She despaired of becoming the respectable Christian woman that she wanted to be. She, she desperately wanted to die but she knew that she could not kill herself with herself. And I said to her, pray this, pray this, pray, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and when she did, immediately she had a vision. She saw her old, depraved, and licentious self looking like a prostitute nailed to a cross. And then she saw the church lady that she hoped to be also nailed to that very same cross. And then she saw Jesus nailed to the cross. It must have been his cross. And then she watched as they all died. And then all at once she saw herself, her true self, standing at the base of that tree of life, dressed in a beautiful white wedding gown, the bride of Christ. I doubt that I will ever forget her wonder and her joy. And so this would be my advice to her and this would be my advice to you, bride of Christ. Every morning, Pick up that cross. Every morning, picture your old self, your successes and your failures. Picture that self, that self nailed to that cross. There's no point in defending that self. There's also no point in punishing that self. There's no point in trying to justify that self. That self is dead. And then picture the self you're trying to create, also nailed to that cross. You can't create yourself, no matter how hard you try. Surrender your past and your future. Surrender your shame and your fear. Surrender your achievements and, and your, your hopes. And, 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 then, and, then, and then listen, now, to the music 
The word of love, Jesus, you, you must know him now in order to dance. Eternal life is now. And check this out. He is your righteousness. He is your true past. And he is your hope. He's your true future. Your hope is in him. Hope isn't an illusion in your future. Hope is a living presence that's with you now. He's your life. And you are his body. Forget yourself, listen to the music, and when you find yourself dancing, you will have found who you truly and eternally are. And so he took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper and having given thanks, he took the cup and he said, the cup, this cup is the covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And you are my bride. You are my body. So let's dance. Life is a dance. My life is a dance. In Jesus' name, believe the gospel and live the gospel. Amen? Amen. The dark cup is wine, the light cup is juice. In the triumph of Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> okay, listen. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen to this verse. It's so cool. Paul writes, For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I think we'll talk about this a little bit more next week. Um, I kept thinking, though, about this a friend of mine that used to have visions up at Lookout during the services. And I remember this one time he grabbed me and said, Peter, during the service I had this crazy vision. It's more complicated than, than what I'm about to tell you. But he said, in the service, people that heard Jesus' word, all of a sudden they were crucified in the sanctuary. They were up on crosses, crucified. And then Jesus went through the sanctuary, taking them down. And, and he said there was this one girl there. Um, she was a Down syndrome girl that I knew. He, he knew who she was. And he said, Jesus went up to her and she didn't have to be crucified and um, together they went and took them down and I thought that's incredible because she she was a little child and then he said this the weird thing was that there were some people that would not come down off their crosses they they would say to Jesus no I'm gonna stay here and then they would stay up on their crosses and they wouldn't join the dance that was happening at the foot of the cross and for years I've been wondering why don't those people why am I one of why wouldn't I come down off the cross am I one of those Jesus who are those people why wouldn't those people come down off the cross and then suddenly it hit me this week they don't know they're dead 
right? I mean, if you take someone down off a cross, they're dead. The cross has done its work. They're dead. What is the problem with all of us? We don't realize that Jesus died and we died with him and we keep trying to give ourselves life, but he's the one that gives us life. And so may you believe scripture this morning that his yoke fits, his yoke is easy and his burden is light and he will give you rest. In Jesus' name, believe the gospel. The gospel is that the Lord God is your creator and you are not his creator and that's incredibly good news. In Jesus' name, amen.